Help me welcome our internet audience, would you? God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. How's everybody? You're better than when you came in. I want to read you a scripture. It's not, not the message tonight. It was just on my heart as I was praying in the, in the office this afternoon. It's out of Isaiah 35, verse 10. Um, in the old days, like when I was 10 or something, um, used to do a lot of scripture choruses. How many of you remember those? Now, you do not know the uproar that happened when people started doing scripture choruses. How dare people sing such loose, folksy songs with scripture in them, you know? And then that became a huge wave. Did you know prior to that, you know, hymns and so forth, did you know some of those tunes came out of bars? Serious. Mighty Fortresses Our God was a good drinking song. Y'all don't believe me. Read your history, okay? For real. And so, you know, it's like every generation, somebody gets upset about something, you know, coming along. You need to just relax and lift your voice and sing to God and and celebrate truth. But this was one of the first scripture choruses I learned. Some of you may remember it. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return. How many of y'all know that one? Okay. Well, that's how I learned. And and I'm praying for a resurgence of uh, scripture and song. Because that would be a good way for us to learn scripture. Thank you all four of you. <laughs> Isaiah 35, 10 says this. And the ransomed of the Lord, is that you? Yes. Shall return and come to Zion. And New Testament, that's a type of the church, okay? Come to Zion with singing. And everlasting joy on their, with everlasting joy on their heads. And here's, here's what I'm praying would happen for each of us tonight. They shall, if you come to church and sing... They shall obtain joy and gladness. Y'all ever go to the store and you need one thing, you come out with five things? Okay. Uh, well, I pray that happens for you tonight when you come to church. Needed one thing, go out with five, okay? They shall obtain joy and gladness. And look at this. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Listen. And I believe God will make good on this if we come in the right posture. And as, as Pastor Jordan was talking about, you know, the right uh, perspective on all of this. I think if you come right to the house of the Lord, you will obtain joy, gladness and joy. And sorrow and sign would flee away. And if you knew that happened every time, y'all be bugging us. Can we do church on Tuesday? Can we do church on Thursday? Amen. So my prayer for you tonight is you'll obtain gladness and joy and that sorrow and sign will flee away. Amen. Well, we're going to get into our uh, series, Believe. This is year two of this series. What we're doing is, anybody know what we're doing, what we're covering? I heard it. Systematic theology. Don't let that freak you out. Okay. It's just theology, what we believe about God and the things of God, systematically organized so that we can gather those things. And what we're going to do, we're going to drive through this year, and um, I want to try to finish up a good overview of systematic theology. And we did a lot of that last year and continuing on this year. We're actually um, 
This is the fourth part uh, in this year, 2015, that I'm teaching on the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. So let's get this up here. The gospel. Everybody say it again. The gospel. Anybody know what it means? Oh, you didn't say it right, though. It's what? Good news. Okay, it's good news. And um, we want to look at this tonight. Actually, my subtitle for tonight is Bad News, Good News. And don't worry, I don't have any of those jokes. There's a million of them, you know, but I got some good news and I got some bad news. I just want to take this poll, though, this survey real quick. When somebody comes to you with that, which one do you, do you choose? Really? You want the good news first? I want the bad first. You know why? Because I stay on the right side of the butt. Right? All right. So, yeah, that. But, and here's the good news. Amen? So, we're looking at good news. Um, I want to give you a little bit of an uh, overview and review, and then we're, we're going to compare tonight the bad news and the good news and walk out of here uh, with sorrow and sighing, having fled away. away. Amen? Um, I really take it serious uh, and seek the Lord on what we should be teaching. I really believe this is an assignment because there's certain clarity and emphasis that has to come to us concerning the gospel. And if... If you don't understand the gospel correctly, you're either going to end up with false hope or false guilt. And there are so many people in, and I'll put it this way, in brands and flavors of Christianity that live under a false hope or they live under a false guilt. Neither one will serve you well. And so we have to rightly divide scripture and that's part of the purpose of systematic theology, you know, is to help you in these things. So, um... The other thing is we have to be able to share the gospel. Yeah, I'm believing for all of us, we talked about this earlier in the year already, that you would have a personal opportunity to share the gospel with somebody this year. Some of y'all look scared. (laughs) But not if you understand it. If you understand it and you've got a good grip on it, then you're able to share it, not be obnoxious. And can I encourage you, if you share the gospel, please don't be obnoxious. Okay? Don't be religious. Don't change your voice. Don't act strange. Just share good news. And one of the things you can do is share why it's good news to you. And it's good news to all of us. And we're going to see that tonight because all of this, uh, all of this hits us all the same. The other reason that we must uh, have a good handle on this and understanding is because of generations. Okay? Let's see if I can uh, articulate this clearly here. One generation knows something, believes it, lives it. If they do not pass that down to the next generation in the right way, the next generation just remembers it. So what does it become then? Mom and dad's religion. And then if something is not revived, if it does not become real to them, communicated to them in a right way, modeled in a right way for them, then that third generation then, to them they either forget it or discount it or, or, or think of it as something as, you know, whatever, that was grandma's thing. And, and lest we say, well, that would never happen, that's happened. That's right. That's happened. That is part of our problem in our country today. And we're living in what some call a post-Christian era. Let that not scare you. You don't even have to resist that. Because when, the, when everything happened to begin with, it was a pre-Christian era. And um, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and the same truths are still relevant today. I actually believe that God is kind of reworking the machinery a little bit in the, in the living church of God. 
and, and helping us to present things in a better way and, and to actually live some things and not be religious. And, and I, I think God is doing some wonderful things. And uh, people, are, and, and you're not going to get this on CNN or, or wherever else, but people are getting born again in the world today at, at the most rapid rate ever in human history. There are more believers on the planet right now, the estimation, than all previous believers combined that are in heaven. And so we just got to get the church to, to get their hat on straight and realize who you are. And be able to articulate what you believe and actually live it out in the power of the Holy Spirit and walk in the light of God. And you don't have to stand on the table in the lunchroom at work and preach. People will be so intrigued by what is going on in them. Because you carry light. You carry the fragrance of the knowledge of God. You carry peace with you. And, and, you know, and you go through stuff. Don't pretend. When I was coming up, believers would pretend they never had a problem. And so then when I started having problems in life, I thought, well, I guess I don't fit. You know, and the reality is we, we are still traveling this earth, but God helps us. And for you to weather those things with the help of God, the peace of God, and then in those right moments, share right things with people, it would be an amazing thing. God is not done. I said, God is not done. And, and there are other uh, forces and entities that control the microphone pretty much as far as worldwide media and social media and, and so forth. But don't you worry. You watch what God will do with, with, his, with his people. Amen? All right. And the darker it gets, the more God's glorious scene on his people. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, let's get into this message too. Uh, we're going to talk about bad news and good news. Um, sin. Have you ever heard of that? Sin was the problem. And I have to say this: sin is the problem. And we have bad news that we're going to talk about tonight because of sin. Sin created the bad news. Um, sin ruins everything. Sin ruins everything. And the problem of sin and what sin um, causes is so extreme, so radical, that if there would be a solution for sin, it would have to be as equally extreme and radical. And there is a solution. And it is so far-reaching, so extreme, so radical. And that's what the gospel is. That's the answer for the, for the bad news. So all have sinned. Penalty is death. So this is bad news. Here comes the good news. Jesus died and he paid the penalty for us. Look at this in Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, get this, Christ died for us. Say it again. Christ died for us. So, The gospel summarized in four words would be this. Jesus died for me. Go ahead and say it. Jesus died for me. Charles Spurgeon is accredited with first summarizing this way. This is the the centerpiece, though, okay, of the gospel. Um, This summarizes it, but this makes no no sense without the rest of the gospel story. 
Okay, Jesus died for me. Well, who is he? What difference did it make that he died? Well, what's the deal he died for me? And so you have to put it all together for this to really be good news for us. Now, it is the centerpiece. Jesus died for me. And, and I've tried to uh, go over this each week that we've, we've done this. We've been interrupted a little bit. Not interrupted, but just we had baptism night. We had uh, habitation service. Um, we had uh, next-gen takeover. We've had a number of things off and on uh, throughout the series. But here's what we need to put together as the gospel. First of all, incarnation. Everybody say incarnation. And that is that God put on flesh. Uh, that's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's the entrance of our Savior into the world. So we have incarnation. Uh, then sinless life. Everybody say sinless life. So Jesus lived this, And that's super important. Listen, that is super important. Uh, there's been secular novels and things like that that tried to attack this, the sinless life and draw into question the sinless life of Jesus. It's absolutely vital that he lived a sinless life. Because he had to be that perfect lamb. He had to be the lamb without spot and without blemish to, to be the adequate sacrifice for us. Okay, So incarnation, sinless life, and then substitutionary death. Say that, substitutionary death. And that's self-explanatory. There was a death required, the penalty that we've, we've talked about. because, of, And Jesus died in our place. So substitutionary death. Next is bodily burial. Everybody say bodily burial. And that's, you know, after the cross, buried in a borrowed tomb. And then literal resurrection. Say that with me. Literal resurrection. And we're about to celebrate that. That's called what? Easter. Easter. Do you all know we're going to have Easter services? I want you to be praying now. We're going to be showing you more on it. We have never, y'all hear me? Never done Easter at this level. I mean, what is brewing and cooking is incredible. And we're, we're going to be doing six services, two on the Saturday night, four on the Sunday. One of them's early. It'd be like a sunrise, but we won't see the sunrise because we'll be inside. But maybe we could do something by video and sunrise it for you, you know. Uh, so we're going to have six. We're believing for, there'll be about 12,000 people to go through. And we're believing for hundreds of people to give their life to a risen Savior. Amen. Will you pray with me on that? Amen. So... Bodily burial, literal resurrection, ascension into heaven. Everybody say that. Ascension into heaven and then imminent return. Everybody say that. Imminent return. So put all of that together. Incarnation, sinless life, substitutionary death, bodily burial, literal resurrection, ascension into heaven, imminent return. When you understand all of that, then the centerpiece of the gospel is Jesus died for me. Everybody say, Jesus died for me. And that's some really, really good news. So the bad news created four situations or needs that the good news solves. And so we're going to look at those just kind of in brief tonight. So let's go ahead and look at the bad news. Bad news. So the first situation or problem that it caused is penalty. Penalty. Everybody say penalty. Why do you make us say stuff? Because once you say it, once you use your own brain and you kick in your speech centers and you voice it and say it and then you hear it with your own ears, we have now looped it through your little brain (laughs) and your chances of retaining it are exponentially better than if I let you just sit there all sleepy looking. 
Okay? So that's one reason why I have you say things. Say, thank you, Pastor. So the bad news is penalty. Um, The penalty for sin is death. Somebody had to pay that. The wages, uh, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. So here's the bad news. We have a penalty. And this is big. And the problem with the penalty is, even if you and I paid it, it would not satisfy it. Okay? So the second part of the bad news is this, wrath. Wrath. Say wrath. 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 It's, a, it's a form of anger. It's not, just, it's not just angry. And you have to understand this. So many people live with, the, with the, the perspective that God's mad at me. Look at me. God's not mad at you. His wrath is toward unrighteousness. Okay? Now, he's not enjoying sin. He's not pleased with sin. We have to know that nothing changes that love that God would have toward you. God's wrath is against sin. It's against all, uh, Romans 1.18 says it's against all ungodliness and against all unrighteousness. Now, the problem that verse also reveals is this, of men who suppress the truth. So if you want ungodliness and unrighteousness to pervade your life, suppress the truth. Which means you discount the truth, you push the truth aside, and then you allow those things to grow in your life, making you subject to, because it's part of your life, subject to the wrath of God. Third part of the bad news is this, separation. Separation. Sin always separates. Sin always separates. Think about a friendship. Think about uh, any relationship, be it business or personal or whatever. Sin against that person. And without resolution... Without any grace or mercy in that, there will be what? Separation. You remember when you're like second or third grade, this is my best friend, and then the next day you're like enemies? Like it's fifth or sixth grade, I got in a fight after school, and my mom, my sister, and people, we got off the bus, got into the fight, and my sister and a couple people ran down and told my mom, Tim and Tom are fighting, Tim and Tom are fighting. So she came up and kind of broke us up. And she goes, I thought you were best friends. Not anymore, never again. (laughs) Two days later, who's best friends again? Two guys. But sin separates. Actually, uh, Ephesians 4.18 says that we're alienated from the life of God because of sin. Alienated, that separation means this. You can't participate. You can't participate. And so... You're in a timeout, so to speak. You're, there's a glass wall between you and the goodness of God. So there's alienation. And then fourthly, and there are many others besides this that are subcategories on this, but bondage. Everybody say bondage. So sin resulted in some really bad news of penalty, wrath, separation, and bondage. Bondage to sin, bondage to a hard taskmaster, the devil. So bondage in in, uh, those cases. So the good news, though, finds its context in the bad news. Okay? It's because of the bad news that the good news is so good. Okay? The good news. Like, if if you're driving along and everything's fine, and you just pull over uh, to 
text or call somebody and you see a tow truck coming, whoopee. But if you have a flat tire and the tow truck is coming, I mean, now it's good news. Otherwise, it's just whatever. But if you have the bad news, then the good news coming is the bad news that gave that the context. You all with me? So the bad news, we've already looked at the bad news. We're going to look at the good news here, and we're going to expand on it just a little bit tonight. So the bad news was penalty, penalty. The good news is this, sacrifice, sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. So we got the penalty. The penalty is death. The sacrifice is the good news. Let's look at some scripture on this. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 26, he has appeared to put away, he showed up, in other words, to put away sin, that's the problem, by the sacrifice of himself. The sacrifice of himself. Remember, substitutionary atonement. Also, let's look here in Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself, help me, for us, an offering and a what? sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. That does not sound like bad news. That sounds like good news. And here's what happened. This, this sacrifice was that he gave himself for us. Get this. Look at me. He gave himself for us. It was in my place. It was in your place. That should move you. I want you to think about that tonight. Not, you know, now, but even when you leave, I want you to think about that. I deserved death. A penalty was assigned to me and to you that we could, no way we could pay it. And he paid it. And we see sacrifice and we think sacrifice is always a noble kind of thing just because of the nature of sacrifice. Just in, you know, it's baseball season, our academy, they're, they're in baseball season and, you know, a sacrifice in baseball when guys really know what they're doing. I'm going to hit a ball. They'll target their hit, send it to a place where I will get put out so that the runner on base can advance. I will get put out so you can advance. And that's probably a very low level of sacrifice. But just think about it. He gave himself in our place. Penalty. What happened to that bad news? Sacrifice. Jesus came and did it for us. Can I get an amen on that one tonight? Let's look at some more bad news here. Wrath. Wrath. How how many of you just hate for anybody to be mad at you? And then especially if it's somebody who you care about or their opinion is important to you. I mean, you're always going to have somebody mad at you. There's people that are mad at you. You don't even know them. (laughs) Serious. They, they don't like you because you're so purdy. Or you cut them off in traffic and didn't know you did. You know, or, or what, whatever it would be. And, and you, you know, you can't, you're never going to please people, everybody anyway. You're going to have people jealous of you. You're going you're to have people that are just mad anyway. And if you show up with a smile, you know, they're, they're <laughs> all right. So wrath, nobody likes that. You know, I've told you a story before about getting in trouble in fourth grade. And my teacher pulled me in. I was on safety patrol, y'all. 
I was the next year's captain, gonna be. I had the orange belt, the deal across here, with a badge. Come on, badge. I'd take that thing home and just look at it. I was having some problems, though, with, um, besides math, my worst subject was always conduct. So I had some conduct grades that were, my parents were going through a really ugly divorce. So I was acting out in some, some extra ways probably. And I came in from safety patrol duty before school and came into the classroom and my teacher, come here. And I already knew her pretty good because I sat by her a lot in class and sometimes at lunch. I knew all the teachers. You have lunch with them. But, um, and, you know, I'm just fourth grade and she, she got right in my face. She had that teacher breath, you know, and she was. <laughs> the way they used to have it when I was, when I was a kid. And she said, if you don't straighten up, if you don't straighten up, starting now, you're off safety patrol. I will pull you off safety patrol. I just froze. Yes, ma'am. It just took the life out of me. And so then she, we did the pledge of the flag back then. Then we even said a prayer. And I needed it. And went through all those things. She wrote something on the board, told us to do your assignments. And she's walking around in, you know, in and out of the aisles like teachers do. And I could not concentrate. I just could not concentrate. Why? Because I felt I was the object of her wrath. And then she came along and she put her hand on my shoulder and gave me a little squeeze to say it's okay. And I'm telling you the honest truth. Energy and blood and everything else went back to my brain. <laughs> and I finished the school year on safety patrol. I just want to tell you all that. No, no. So the good news about wrath is propitiation. That's a big word. It means appeasement. It means satisfied, satisfaction. Everybody, go ahead and say it though. Propitiation. So there was a wrath... And let's just look at this. One of my favorite little passages in scripture anyway. 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 and 2. It says, my little children. I love how John writes to us and refers to us in such a fatherly way. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. You know, that's the problem. And if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. He's the propitiation for our sins. For the wrath of, that was incurred because of unrighteousness and ungodliness, Jesus came and satisfied that. Look at this in 1 John chapter 4. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the, here it is again, propitiation for our sins. So the bad news was wrath, the good news propitiation. Let's go quickly here. Bad news, separation. Separation. The good news, reconciliation. 
Why are we using all these big words? Because this is what scripture has. These are scripture words and, and they're not hard words once you understand them. And um, uh, it helps us to kind of frame things in systematic theology. So the bad news was separation. We're separated because of sin. Alienated from the life of God. We can't participate in all that God has for us because of sin. And here's the good news. Reconciliation. Let's look here in Romans chapter 5. Several verses here. But God demonstrates his own love. Just doesn't talk about it. He demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved. Here we, here we, here we go. Saved from the wrath through him. Keep going for If when we were enemies, we were reconciled aliens to God. We were reconciled to God. There it is again, reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more. And remember the gospel summarized, Jesus died for me through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled. Here it is again. We shall be saved by his life. And not only that keeps getting gooder and gooder, but we also rejoice Listen, I think a sad sack Christian, that's a misnomer. That doesn't go together. Y'all with me? But we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the what? The reconciliation. You're no longer separated from God when you become a believer. No longer separated God. And let's look here. Bad news. Bad news. Bondage. Bondage to sin. You know what this actually means? I, I, I can't help myself. You know, there's nothing I can do to help this, to overcome this. And we have a wrong mindset. And I don't want to take too much time on this, but uh, here's a couple of verses. And I don't have their addresses right in the top of my mind right now. But you, you are under, you are um, not, sin shall not have dominion over you. So sin does not have power or dominion over you. Some of you think it does. Some of you have these certain areas of sin in your life and you go, I, I can't help it. That's a lie that you need to replace with the truth. Sin does not have dominion over you. Also in the book of Romans, it says this, that you are under no obligation to the flesh to fulfill the lust of the flesh. You do not have to do. You do not have to do what the flesh is trying to get you to do. Sometimes your flesh is like that friend you had in high school. that's always trying to get you to do bad stuff. Okay, so the bad news, bondage, bondage. The good news, you ready for this? Redemption, redemption. Everybody say it, redemption. So get this real quick, Mark chapter 10. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom so that you could be redeemed for many. Gave his life a ransom for many. We got one more here, Colossians chapter one. He has delivered us. From the power of darkness and conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. In whom we have, here it is, redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So let's just kind of wrap this up here tonight. The penalty is paid. The wrath has been satisfied. The separation has been removed. The bondage has been broken. The result of that, we have peace with God.
peace with God. Look at this in Romans 5, 1. We're almost done. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through what he did, we have peace with God. Now, through what you did, through what I did, there is no peace with God. But through what he did, we have peace with God. Everybody say, I have peace with God. You know, a current way to say it, I'm, me and God, we're good. We're good. Not through what you did. I mean, just by what you did today, you could have messed that up if it wasn't for what Jesus has done overrides that. Look at this in the Amplified Bible. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, we did it, but we're acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. That deserves an amen right there. So get this, get this, and then I'm, I'm going to wrap. Peace with God makes way for the peace of God. Now get this. When you know that I have peace with God and I can have the peace of God, now I can make it. Now I can make it. I'm good with God, peace with God, and I get the peace of God. Guards my heart and guards my mind. I can make it. I can make it. So this is incredible good news. Listen to it this way. Penalty paid. Wrath satisfied. Separation removed. Bondage broken. Peace with God. Peace of God. Heaven, not hell. Never alone. Never without help. All because Jesus died for me. Equals. Good news. Good news. Would you agree that's good news tonight? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Because of what Jesus did for us. Now, did he do it just for you? He did it for everybody. Well, how do you, lack of better words, cash in on that? How do you make that reality in your life? You accept it. You believe it. You believe that he did it for you. And then... It's through that believing that you enter in to the greatness of the good news. Amen. Amen.